Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Welcome to the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. With me today is a friend from many years, a mentor in my life. I'm so I've been looking forward to this day. Keith Yoder is with me in the room today. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Larry. We've had a great relationship over the years. We have. And- I'm glad to celebrate it today with you in this That's conversation. A, yeah, it's great. We're going to have a lot of fun. I've learned so much from you over the years, not only your books and your teachings, but your one-on-one mentoring in my life. You continue to serve in that role today, and just so grateful to God for you. So let's get started. Let's talk about Keith Yoder and what Keith Yoder has learned about leadership. That'd be a blessing to leaders and future leaders around the world. I mean, the focus of this podcast is, what are these little things we can change in our lives to be more like Jesus? And little things we can change in our lives that will cause major differences in our leadership and serve those that we are serving around the world. So first of all, let's talk about Keith. Let's talk about growing up a bit and just give us a little bit of history on Keith Yoder and who you are. I mean, I've known you for many years. I've heard many stories, but just fill us in. You know, how did you come to know Christ? What was it like growing up? Talk to us. Well, I grew up in uh, central Pennsylvania in an area that had mountains and valleys and a lot of farmland. Really? So that was the context. So I'm a person who enjoys the mountains more than the beach. Oh, <laughs> are you a farm boy? Oh, yes. Uh, not that I was on a farm, but right. I worked for the farmers in my neighborhood. Interesting. Uh, relatives as well as neighboring farmers. Great. Well, talk about growing up. Talk about when you came to Christ. How did that happen? Well, uh, I had an excellent uh, background with Sunday school teaching, uh, scripture memory. Uh, I recall I was uh, very young, and my father promised me that if I would memorize this verse, he would give me a wagon. Oh. So I remember getting up in front of the church with some other children, and my part was from Ephesians, but God who is rich in mercy, with his great love, wherewith he loved us. That and you was, remember that to this day. Yes. And that's amazing. Did you get your wagon? Oh, I did. And I used that wagon up until we had to move to a retirement community, and I had no place for it. But, <laughs> you kept it your whole life. That's amazing. Yes. It was a symbol of the importance of Scripture memory. It's powerful. Yeah. Very powerful. Uh, I recall uh, as I was, uh, I think I was age 12, And that summer, I, you know, I was a good boy, uh, and I really wanted to see if I could go a day without sinning. Oh, tell me about that. So I decided, uh, okay, I'm I'm going to see if how if I can do this. (laughs) And so I remember uh, the first day that I tried this. It was about ten o'clock in the morning. I was out in the raspberry patch, and this thought went through my head that was not good. I thought, oh, I sinned. <laughs> and then uh, a little bit later, a few few weeks later, I thought, oh, I'm going to try this again. If sure. I can go a whole day without right. sinning. 
And so you can see the, the mentality of that. Right. And I went, I think it was like 11 in the morning when right. I perceived that somehow <laughs> I fell short of the glory of You probably seen before that. You just didn't know it, right? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but you can see God was working in my heart there. And yeah. then it was in August of that summer when I was 12 that the visiting evangelists came through for our normal sure. Um, sure. Uh, fall um, revival services, yeah, but it was, it was in August. And uh, I was under conviction. And at that time now, I was sitting by myself rather than with my parents. And so I went through that, and I knew that I needed to yield to Christ. And yeah. so I walked forward, and the evangelist prayed for me, and I, I was really crying, uh, which typically I wasn't a person who cried, but sure. it, it just showed the depth of how right. uh, I was finally relieved I had done it and I had accepted Christ. Yes. Um, and I realized I can't go without sinning unless right. Christ saves me. So that's how I came to Christ. And then I would say for the f three or four years, you now I was growing in that. But at age 16, I became very serious about uh, my faith and mm. leadership and service and so forth. So I've been active in the church mm. continuously since age 16. That's amazing. And um, I mean, did you have any leadership roles when you were young? Uh, yes, that, that's when that began unfolding. So, And what did that look like? Um, I was a Sunday school secretary, so that meant during Sunday school I went around and I collected the attendance records and the offerings and kept track of that. I was the janitor of the church for two years. So I, I, and this is a, where we had a coal furnace, so I had to fire up the furnace on Saturdays and get everything ready sure. for Sunday. Um, turn out the lights when people left. <laughs> uh, so I learned about being a janitor, that, that was good. And I was the youth group president, so that's when I began to learn the weight of responsibility. Right. Because I had all these silly kids, right. and I was responsible for them. And you were serious about God. Yes. <laughs> and in a neighboring community, Belleville, uh, there had been an accident on a hayride where a girl lost her leg. Oh, wow. So when we were having a hayride on our side of the mountain, sure. I was concerned with these kids that sure. they would act correctly. Sure. Uh, so you can see, I was. it was very serious to me. And uh, also... Uh, I think this is important. In in high school, uh, the people called me Billy Graham. Oh, really? So they were recognizing a difference there. And I, so right. I think as young people, but as leaders, it's uh, distinguish it's to be distinguished in some way because yes. we are related to Christ is. A part of our testimony. Yeah, it's also good for all, everyone to hear. I mean, people all over the world listening to this podcast that you would know, look at someone like you and the way God's used you in leadership. But it's, there's humble beginnings, and we yeah. simply serve wherever we need to serve. And key to leadership, and you've, you've you've done that so well. So, what are some leadership lessons you learned then as a young person? Well, one of the things was I also had responsibility as I was 17 and 18, just before I left to college those two years, of being on the Sunday evening program committee. So our congregation had Sunday evening services right. like 50 weeks of the year. 
Okay. And there was an older gentleman and myself were responsible to plan those services. And how old were you again when this happened? 16, 16, 17, 17. Wow. That's amazing. And so I brought some creativity to that. Sure. That's the point I want to learn, that in leadership, uh, if you apply creativity to what's being done, yes. it, it, it draws people in a fresh way to look at the truth. That's really good. So that was a big responsibility. And the older gentleman was more um, just, well, this is the pattern we use. So, sure. So I ended up actually carrying more weight and leadership in that team at that time. So you'd say a key to leadership, even when you're young, is bring creativity into something that's happening already, and that can, that can obviously uh, cause blessing mm-hmm. in, with the people that you're serving. Yes. That, that's exceptional. So talk to me more. Leadership journey. You, you, we all have this journey in life and this leadership journey. Talk to me more about your journey. And how, I mean, how did you get from there to a place where you've gone all over the world, you've ministered, I've ministered with you in other nations, you've helped us in many, many, many times, and you've written materials, you, you, know, you work with businesses and all these things you do today. And we'll talk about your ministry more later today. But talk more to me more about your leadership journey. Well, um, I would say I also observed as a young person how my father was generous toward ministers. Oh, that's good. Now, my father was a school teacher, so in the summer he ran a paint crew to paint houses and barns. Sure. And he hired pastors uh, throughout the summer to be on his paint crew. So he, he was being generous to them. Mm-hmm. But also then he heard what they were going through as they were talking on the scaffolding about their challenges. Yeah. And so he was compassionate toward them. And I noticed whenever a visiting minister would come to our congregation, my father, who did not give a lot in the regular offerings, he would slip a big check or big bills to the visiting minister. Hmm. And also, our congregation would load up that visiting minister's car with food and whatsoever. Yeah. And so it said something to me about the importance of being generous mm-hmm. toward leaders, toward, mm-hmm. toward ministers. So your father really was a marketplace ministry. I mean, really, that's what he was doing. And he saw in marketplace ministry, see, the need to help those who yes. are involved in church ministry, spiritual ministry, you know, more church-oriented ministry. Yeah. And that, that's fantastic. And that had a huge impact in your life. Yes. So it's interesting today that you're helping many marketplace leaders learn mm-hmm. these things today, and also you've been serving church leaders all these years. Uh, good observation, Larry. Yeah, yes. that's that's how I would see that. That that's great. So back in those days, what are some things that you wish you would have known when you started? Well, um, it, a little bit more about my journey getting please, to that. Please, please, sure. please do that. Um, what I've experienced, and I have no other explanation for this than God gifts you and has a purpose for this. But as I look back over my life, in every situation I've been in, even though I have more of a compliant style personality, I have become the leader in that situation. Interesting. It's only been in recent years where I've been in a couple of situations where I didn't actually become the leader in that situation. Sure. And so... There's something there of God's calling and mm-hmm. purpose 
that when you recognize that's happening to you, it's very important to honor that right. and to embrace those responsibilities. Right. But also we do so realizing God God it, gave this. It's the grace of God. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but along the way, again, keep in mind, I went to college there. Mm-hmm, I was involved mm-hmm. with InterVarsity Christian yeah. Fellowship, became the president of oh, that I didn't know that. college campus. Um, then later we started a another Christian fellowship for students who were commuters and sure. lived off campus. Um, and then when I actually came back to teach at that same college, the thing that was most meaningful to me there was when st- Christian students would come to me and say, would you mentor me? Yes. So I enjoyed that more than actually the college teaching. Uh, but back to... Um, what I was learning. So I'm this young, creative leader. Right. Every situation I'm in, I'm emerging as a leader. Right. Uh, people are listening to what I have to say. And so I recall, I'm putting something together here. Sure. I recall as I, as a youth, worked on farms, I worked for my one uncle, and we would talk about church life. Right. And so he had a concern for that, and we talked about the church, the congregation we were a part of, which was the same one. And through that, I could see how leaders who are who don't address issues, it, it's ineffective. Right. Effective leaders address issues. Correct. That's a great, great quote. And uh, so... So, but I'm observing there, there's something about the way leaders work or don't. So I'm learning that while I'm on the farm yes. talking by the tractor. <laughs> and then um, I go to college, and I'm getting involved in a congregation, and I'm sensing there's something out of line here in mm. this church. I can't figure out what it is, but I just sense there's something not right. Sure. And I was just about getting to the core of what it might be when, um, at that point, I was getting married, and we were invited to go to another congregation to serve as youth Mm -hmm. advisors. But I was getting the insight that what's really happening is someone else behind the scenes is really leading this church, not the positional leaders. Right. So I'm in this next church. And the same thing begins happening where I realize there's something out of order here. And again, I realized the person who's really leading this congregation right. is not the positional leader. Right. Now, what happened in the second congregation is, you know, I'm gung-ho, I'm leading, I'm doing things. And the person who is the real leader stood up to me and said, no, <laughs> for the first time ever, People didn't say, oh, what do, you, what do you say, Keith? Yes, well, let's do that, yes. So here's somebody who said no, because what I was doing is I was getting close to the issue, uh-huh. and I was leading, I was shaping things, and people were following me right. in a way that was other than this informal, behind-the-scenes leader. So that was, uh, that was a sh- hard thing for my personality to take because... I was not used to confrontation. Uh-huh. 
I was not used to engaging in conflict. I was used to people following. So what did you do, what did you do in the light of all that? Well, um, it, it put me back a bit yeah. uh, until I regrouped and realized, well, I need to honor this person because they were close to the positional leadership. And I can give a further perspective here is, in both of these cases, I realized the real leader, the first was the wife of the deacon, and the second was the wife of the pastor. Hmm. And what this did, it gave me a compassion for women who are gifted in leadership, Mm -hmm. but do not have the position, and were being limited in their capacity to lead when they really were highly gifted leaders. That's, that is so good. So that set something in motion in my heart, which has become a major passion, a major mm-hmm. sense of call in my life to see women released, um, empowered in whatever they're called to do and however they're called to lead. That's an amazing story. I never knew that background. Yes. And here I, I've known you all these years. And it also helps me understand you in another way. I know when I was a megachurch pastor and it was burning out, and I came to you and said, help. And, I mean, I've said to many people, you believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. But you were able to, because of your experience, all God did through you and in you, you were able to see the need for leadership, the need for leaders to really stand up and lead. Yes. And you saw that, and you saw that in me, I know. I know again, this many, many years ago. And which has been such a great blessing for me. But I did not know that background where God formed and shaped those truths in you. That's amazing. And how that applies then, as you have stood for women in leadership for many years before many mm-hmm. others ever caught that revelation from the Lord and able yeah. to see that scripturally. So it helps me understand where that all came from. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. It was, um, as I look back, it, the Lord was forming something in there by way of call. And so those tests of character, those tests of um, honor uh, are very important in actually the calling coming forth Right. of that. um, So I've experienced it that way. So in light of that, are there things that you wish you would have known back then that you know now? (laughs) Well, uh, I'm assuming there are, but the question is, what are they? (laughs) Are there just a a few few. at least? Are there a few things you could share with us now? Um, You've got so much in you. I'm going to have you come back for another podcast, but let's let's continue the process here. Well, I would say by God's design, he has placed truth in tension. Mm -hmm. And so... Rather than polarizing one truth versus another, which we'll find that in a variety of, we can easily go into that mindset. We can become dualistic. It's either this or this. And so that's where a lot of our conflicts in Mm -hmm. life come from. That's where arguments come from. That's where divisions in leadership come from. For example, a person might be more prophetic and oriented to uh, honor a principle or a uh, a law or a, an ordinance or a truth, or whereas another person might be more focused on the relational, compassionate aspect mm-hmm. of a situation, the mercy, and so forth. Well, both of those are from God fully. Right, right. And so the key is to look for how does truth interrelate or become integrated or interdependent. Mm-hmm. And so in the Hebrew mm-hmm. mindset of wisdom is how truth is interdependent. Correct. And so th- that's been a major lesson 
to, first of all, embrace God designed truth to be in tension. And so when, it, when we're experiencing that tension, uh, it's significant that we would look for how does this interface, how does it integrate, um, and how does it come together? So, Excellent. Um, taking my hands, you know, my fingers might butt against one another, but right. if one of them would submit or yield to the other, right, my right. hands can come together. Correct, correct. So, where'd you learn? I'm sure you've learned a lot about teamwork in light of this, because this is all about teamwork. And is there anything you want to say about teamwork? I mean, you've written books on this, and and you know, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But anything about teamwork that would be helpful? Yes, I would say I learned to build teams by l the art of listening. That's good. By listening to each person and valuing what they have to say then you get the fullness of what each person is bringing out. Therefore, you get the fullness of the different team members. It's good. And then you get, and each person then feels a part of the team. Mm -hmm. Each person sees their contribution was worthy and included. And, um, and you get a wholeness out of that. So it all comes down to rather than the dynamics of team members if we all submit to what is the Lord saying, what is okay. the mind of the Lord, that has been the genius, I believe, of the church for ages. Yeah, I've based so much of my leadership experience and commitment around that principle of hearing God together. So obviously, I mean, the book you've written has been a blessing to so many people throughout the world. Uh, mastering the Art of Presence-Based Leadership really has to do with what you're talking about right now. Yes. Talk to us about that a bit. I mean, you've written many books, and, and we'll talk about a few of these today, but we'll get more in the future. Uh, what is presence-based leadership? What is that? Well, first of all, uh, it, it's all rooted in the nature of the Trinity. The Trinity is in a constant fellowship of honor and blessing one another. Okay deferring to and mm -hmm. upholding and doing that which would be, uh, again, honoring, valuing. And out of that, the Trinity said, let us create human beings. Correct, correct. And so we were created in the image and likeness of God. Mm -hmm. And so part of that likeness is having the same posture toward one another. Mm -hmm. And so the whole idea of presence is that I'm fully giving myself face to face. Yes. Presence, uh, the presence of God is the same as seeing the face of God, if you will. Right. And so presence-based leadership is in the context of honor and deferring and preferring one another, hearing direction from God, and then acting and leading out of that presence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it becomes very restful, very peaceful, right. very solid basis for what we do because we are hearing God together. That's awesome. And leading out of his presence. So yeah. it's established first by vertical relationship of worship and honoring and ministering to the Lord as we're together. And then secondly, blessing and hearing and building community with one another. Mm -hmm. And so you have the two great commandments there, loving God yes. 
and then loving one another, now we're in a position to discern and hear God together. Mm-hmm. And out of that, then we lead from that presence. That's awesome. I mean, uh, this is book, book is fantastic, uh, Presence-Based Leadership. Uh, read it. I remember back when you were writing it, and read it, mm-hmm. it was just fantastic. My wife, Laverne, loves this book. She just loves this book. And so many people have been helped and blessed by this book. So why should—and by the way, this, for everyone who's listening, this book you can get through, you know, your, your ministry, Teaching the Word Ministry. You can get it through Amazon. You can get it through wherever books are sold. You can, uh, uh, but talk to us again a little more about this. Uh, why, should, why should a leader—why would a leader want to read this book? Well, it's if you've been having difficulty in working as a team, Mm -hmm. if you are frustrated with uh, trying to find God's guidance, Mm -hmm. um, if you're operating out of thinking and strategizing as best as you can and then asking God to bless it, I would appeal to you to reverse that. That's good. First of all, get in the presence of God. That's so good. And then hear God. Yes. And as we say, when you perceive what God is saying or doing, just take that step. Yes. And then the next step and the next step uh, in the same posture. It's much more restful and peaceful it is. and fruitful. Um, I have found in when I approach things strategically, which is a it's a gift of ability that God's given to people. Mm-hmm. But when you strategize only from a mental, intellectual aspect of what you see in the situation presently, mm-hmm. you can have a sense of what is the right thing to do, but it typically will not take place by your efforts. Mm-hmm. When you totally yield and surrender the situation to the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, and just take whatever step is in front of you, it will, he will do it in a way that's above and beyond what the step is that you've taken. That's amazing. That's amazing. Presence-based leadership, I highly recommend it. Partnering with Christ to discern his wisdom, highly recommend it. Pick that up on Amazon, Christian Bookstore, wherever you, you buy books. Now, Keith, uh, in the time we have left, I know you've written some other books here too, and uh, talk to us briefly about navigating your sabbatical. I know you believe in sabbaticals. You've encouraged me in my first sabbatical. You and Steve Prokopchuk both have done that so well over the years. Um, plan, purpose, support. Talk to us about this little book, uh, Navigating Your Sabbatical. And again, for everyone, all the information, all these books are on your show notes. You can pick all that up there and uh, make sure you look through the show notes. Lots of one-liners, lots of things that you can learn uh, that's on there that Keith has talked about here today already. Talk to us about navigating your sabbatical, Keith. Well, sabbatical is a very important leadership principle of detachment, of Correct. stepping back or detaching from your leadership uh, sphere mm-hmm. and getting fresh perspective exactly. about it and coming back in. Mm-hmm. And so a sabbatical is one of the ways where we detach for an extended period of time, right. not just a day or right. um, a retreat time. And so uh, this particular uh, book is, the first part is gives a biblical basis for sabbatical, and then the second part has a lot of practical tools in it of how to actually carry that out have a plan and coach and so forth Mm -hmm. for that. So um, we've worked with many people in coaching their sabbaticals, and 
it is transformative, and it establishes a whole new pattern uh, post-sabbatical for people in carrying out their ministry. Wonderful. And I want to get you back. We want to talk about Healthy Leaders, uh, your book, Healthy Leaders. But just uh, for those who are on the podcast today, uh, again, this book helped me so much years ago. You know, uh, you know some of the illustrations that you used to remember helped me over the years so much. The whole area feels the ministry and so many things like that. Uh, why should somebody read Healthy Leaders? Well, in short, a healthy leader is someone who has a clear sense of identity. Right. And what I came to understand is that when your identity is clear as a leader, then from that you will get clear direction in carrying out your leadership responsibilities. So this is a focus on identity first and then function or service uh, in sure. subsequent to that. Yeah, it's excellent. And there's so many, many uh, just truths in this that have helped us, principles that have helped us over the years. And we'll talk more about this in the future when I get you back, uh, Healthy Leaders. But what is Teaching the Word Ministries? You are the founder of Teaching the Word Ministries. What is Teaching the Word Ministries? I know, obviously, but tell all of us. Well, in 1987, in closing another ministry, the question is, what do I do? And the phrase that rose up in my heart was, be a resource to pastors. Mm. So at that time, there was no such job, um, but I had opportunity in that I knew a few leaders that I was working with, um, and some people knew I could teach. And so uh, my wife, Marion, and I decided I will step out to do this. And so when I would teach, leaders would say, well, could we go out to lunch afterwards and talk? We'd be sitting there talking. They start sharing their lives, right. uh, asking questions, and the wisdom started flowing, which led to further conversations, re-invited back, and it began a whole uh, sense of if you're looking for wisdom in leadership, that's what teaching the Word Ministries can do. So I called it teaching the Word Ministries to remind me continually that the wisdom should come from the Word of God. Yeah. And so over the years, the, the service to leaders moved from congregational leaders to ministry leaders right. and then to business leaders. Business leaders, leaders also. Yeah. You have a whole team today, people who minister and serve in that way. I remember a time I had a conversation with you many years ago, and you were wondering, should I keep that name or not? And God gave you that name, and I think it was a lot of wisdom that God gave you to keep that, because you're right, you're focused on truth, you're focused on the Word of God, and you've helped so many leaders. <laughs> I'm amazed, Keith. I meet so many people, and I ask, you know, they're involved in leadership and business and ministry, whatever, and they'll say, you know, who are the people that speak into your life? And your name comes up again and again and again. So we thank God for you and for the way the Lord Jesus you. Um, we're going, you've got many, many other other books and, uh, and resources available. Uh, one more I'm just going to mention here, and then you can just, and then we'll, we'll close today and we'll have you back. Foundation Stones, talk to me about that. Foundation Stones is a way that a person or couple or family or organization can clarify their purpose. Okay. And so it's, it's a workbook designed to help people collect information, do some research that then becomes the basis for writing a purpose statement. Mm-hmm a mission statement, a vision statement, and then their core values. 
So I understand purpose to be the overall reason why we do what we do. Mission is the assignment God has given to us and the task before us. Mm-hmm. Vision is the way the world will be different in the future because we're faithful with the mission. Right, exactly. And core values are the convictions of how mm-hmm. we should go about fulfilling the mission. Mm-hmm. So That's uh, great. it helps people to come up with those cons- those statements. Sure, great. Well, there's many other many other resources. And, and check out Teaching the Word Ministries. Um, and again, all this is on the show notes www.ttwm.org, O-R-G, is that right? Yes. And, uh, and we're so, so grateful that you're able to take these minutes with us today. And again, we will have you back. We want to talk more about healthy leaders. You want to dig into presence-based leadership a bit more. And you have many other resources that will help a lot of people in leadership. And uh, I, as you were talking about, you had a ministry that's kind of closing down and moving into something new. I really sense strongly that there's some, at least one person, maybe more, who are listening to this podcast now, and they're finding the same thing in their lives. They come to the end of something. I really feel like there's grace for that for you, whoever you are, to take a step and do something new. And, you know, see what God did through Keith as he obeyed God and did that. And God will do the same thing for you. Uh, so thank you, Keith, for joining me today. This is a blessing to fellowship this way. And for all of you who are listening to this, we bless you to receive and walk in what the Lord's speaking to your heart. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today for Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. We learned those simple things, those small things that can make massive change in our lives and the lives of those we serve. Again, check out the show notes. Uh, you want to check out President the book, Presence-Based Leadership by Keith Yoder, Healthy Leaders by Keith Yoder, and Navigating Your Sabbatical and many more. And with a lot of insight and uh, from what we shared today that's on the show notes. And we look forward to seeing you again real soon. God bless you. Have an amazing day. And expect the Lord to use you powerfully. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.